1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Say it out loud. The Word of God is true. The word and everything else is a lie. That'll help you, I think, as much as anything. Smith Wigglesworth, the greatest healing evangelist of the 19th century. Never spent a day of his life in school. They were so poor and was illiterate. And it was his wife that taught him to read out of the Bible. Never read a book in his life but the Bible. Somebody might say, oh, that's, that would just make you ignorant. Well, he was the greatest healing evangelist of the 19th century, uh, raised 23 people from the dead. So when uh, Smith Wigglesworth was an evangelist, still single, he was uh, preaching in the United Kingdom, and he went to see. He wrote to Smith Wigglesworth, can I come and see you? He was retired. And uh, sure. And so the day he went to visit Smith Wigglesworth, he knocked on the door. Smith Wigglesworth answered the door, said, uh, young man, come on inside, but leave the lies outside. Because he had a newspaper in the, under his arm, so he threw the newspaper in the bushes and went on in. Amen. And something Lester Summerall told me himself, he said, people say, young men say, oh, if I'd been alive, I would have you know, sat at the feet of Oral Roberts or I would have sat at the feet of Smith Wigglesworth or whoever. But he said, that's not true. He said, I was there. He said, I was there several times. And he said, there were no preachers there. So all this information is out here, but we have to avail ourselves to it. And I'll tell you what, I think this generation is more blessed than any previous generation because we don't have audio files of previous generations, but we do have audio files of the previous generation to us. We do have that. And no other generations had that. Think about it. So uh, <clears throat> many, many years ago, Lenham, Kathy Mink gave us a, you know, the technology so changed. It was, it was a great big, huge hard drive of everything that anybody had ever recorded on Kenneth Hagin. Well, now, because of the way the technology has changed, that, that all of that fits on a thumb drive. And it's pretty slick. But no, no generation has had this much information. But it seems like no generation has known so little. And I think part of it is uh, sensory overload. There's a... a kids thing at Big Cedar called Fun Mountain and uh, they got a bowling alley and they got a what do they call that where you climb the wall and then huh rock climbing and then they got all kinds of you know like pinball video games I mean it, so my youngest 
granddaughter by Christina, she just, it's just too much. Sue calls it sensory overload, you know, and she, she can spend a few minutes in there and she wants out. Just too much. And I think all of us suffer some sensory overload because it's not like the old days where uh, we'd read a book before we went to bed, you know? So there's a big difference, you understand. Uh, let's say tonight you go home and you read a chapter of Pilgrim's Progress before you go to bed versus going home and watching an episode of The Walking Dead before you go to bed. You're going to have, I mean, this is a contrast of two completely nights of sleep. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> so we, we, we have to be careful of the intake. Tell your neighbor, we have to be careful of the intake. So did you enjoy the last two Wednesday nights? I, I said to Austin, I said, let's just show, we haven't done that in many years. Let's just break that message in half, show half uh, the first Wednesday night and half the next Wednesday night. And uh, it's just an example of one of the messages that changed my life. Austin maybe was, he was either in high school or college, and he said, did you ever make a list of the messages that changed your life? And I had them. And uh, I knew exactly which ones. And then later, you understand, technology changes. And so that's actually, a, I don't know what you call it, a heading or a category on our hard drives, and we can go there anytime and click that, and then the, there are those messages. Now, did you notice that in his message, he was not teaching on paying off houses. He mentioned it as an example. Did you notice that? He was not teaching on it, but it was that message your pastor took action on and since I heard that message, June of 1988, I paid off four houses, and I'm working on paying off two more. So even an aside, what Dad Hagen used to call a rabbit chase, or how about an example? You can get your answer in a message and take action on it, and you can get a long way down the road. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's pick up where Austin was a couple of weeks, three weeks back. Nothing can take the place of prayer. Say it out loud. Nothing, Nothing. can take the place of prayer. And that's why I was so impressed with uh, the testimony Sunday. Uh, she followed the Wednesday night, August 26th teach, teaching exactly on how to pray over money. And the testimony was she won a battle with the Tarrant Appraisal District on property taxes. And she got exactly what she said. Now, now here's a challenge. And I'm going to deal with this a little bit tonight. Uh, are people skeptical? Are people doubters? Or is it just that we have trouble following instructions? Now, now the lady that wrote that testimony is a vet. And that I put this together. In other words, because a vet is going to have less trouble following instructions. In other words, they came up through a part of their lives, whether however many years, and, and they, they really didn't have a choice. They had to follow instructions. 
And uh, I didn't realize it until we did a Veterans Day luncheon. I think that was last year. Uh, 20% of our membership is not veterans. But 20% of our Sunday morning attendance is veterans. That's awful strong. And I think part of it is that veterans, they, they don't get offended if you lay out a process. In other words, one, two, three, A, B, C, D. But some folks, you know, they just can't handle that. Now, they can tell you what so-and-so's earned run average was last year, or they can tell you how, how many games the Cowboys lost the last five years. But, you know, if you say now there's three steps to this or four steps to that, oh, you know, then they're in sensory overload, <laughs> you know. But I was always of the mindset that I, I intended to win. So if somebody showed me how to win, well, I was very interested. I was very impressed by that testimony because most people won't change and try something different. That's it. Most people won't change and try something different. They'd rather just keep failing and failing and failing. Every believer should go into the school of prayer with Christ and actually learn the secrets of prayer, the precious ministry of prayer, and then also intercession. I was listening to, um, we drove to Springfield and we drove back, so I'm not sure what message, but I was listening to a message by Kenneth Hagin, and it was so great to be refreshed in it again, because you understand sometimes when we hear something, it's a planting, first time we ever heard it, but a lot of times we hear something, it's not a planting, it's a watering. We heard it, but we let go of it. It's good to be refreshed in it. And he was talking about intercessory prayer and how to rebuke Satan in the lives of other people. Because a lot of times people, people are, are making the decisions they're making. And frankly, a lot of times people are acting ugly. Now, some people are just ugly, but, but <laughs> sometimes people are acting ugly because there's a spirit at work. And so he talked about in that message, but it's in his book on prayer. We mentioned, I think that was three Wednesday nights ago, Kenneth Hagin's book on prayer. But we don't have authority over the person, but we have authority over spirits. And we can command a spirit to cease and desist their activities in another person's life. Now, we have varying degrees of authority. In my life, I've got complete authority. In my grown children's lives, well, their will comes into play. If you have a little child in your home, well, you have complete authority. Uh, but there could be, it could be a loved one. Uh, you don't have complete authority, but you have authority. I mean, if we had complete authority, don't you know it'd be great? We could just rebuke every demon in Washington, and we, we would, it would all be great. You know what I'm saying? But we, we just don't have that kind of authority because free will comes into play. One of the first things I learned when I started preaching the gospel is if somebody wants a demon, then they get to keep their demon. So... Regarding intercession, Jesus ever lives to make intercession at the right hand of the Father. Let's go to Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. 
What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Say it out loud. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I love this verse. I've always loved this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, if God gave his most precious gift, the life of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for an atonement for our sins, why would he begrudge you a better job? Why would he not help you get a a new washer and dryer? Why would he begrudge you anything? Because he already gave you his most precious and valuable gift. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now think about what he's saying here. Because I have a particular thought and idea I want to communicate tonight, and that is Luke 18, 1. Men should always pray and not give up. Say it out loud. Men should always pray and not give up. So it says here, Romans 8, 34 Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I don't think we've really comprehended that. I don't think we've really comprehended that. Oh, my goodness. If Anniversary Sunday plays out the way I see it, it'll be a great message. We learn as we go. We learn as we go. I'll come to that. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Say it out loud. Jesus always lives to intercede for me. So the Holy Spirit in us oftentimes makes intercessions that cannot be uttered in words. And this is why we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. For there are times when we know not how to pray. But if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can allow the Spirit of God to pray through us in a heavenly language. It's critical. I don't even know how people make it, frankly. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I have the written Word of God. And then I spend time with God in prayer every day, and he talks to me. Now, I don't know why. Is he talking to me more now than he used to, or am I hearing him more clearly now than I used to? I don't know. But I I just don't know how people make it. I really don't. And then, on top of all of that, if I come to the end of my intellect's ability, if I come to the end of my knowledge of the Word of God, praying about a situation or praying for somebody else, then I have this precious gift of the Holy Spirit of God. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. I can can shift over and pray in a heavenly language, and then the Holy Spirit prays through me. I I just don't know how people survive without these these gifts. Amen. Because I wouldn't want to live my life making decisions based on my intellect. I mean, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I wouldn't want to do that. 
and it's amazing. And again, I'm not sure if he's, if he's speaking to me more. Maybe I'm just more tuned in to hear him more. But uh, it's amazing how often he helps with decisions. really is. And I think, I don't know about you, but I'd like to do less and less and less stumbling in the days ahead. You know, going down wrong roads. Amen. So the more we have trained and trained our recreated human spirit, the closer we will be in tune with our Father God. Uh, I'm not sure if that was 2018. I think it was 2018, Holy Week Revival. There's a message just on training the human spirit. And the way we train the human spirit, we feed on the Word of God. We confess the Word of God, but here's the big one. We take action on the Word of God. And this explains why some people just grow in faith and they they have never even heard a message on training the human spirit. Actually, when I was studying for that message, I was listening to a Kenneth Hagin message in a cabin in the woods. And he was dealing with Romans 12, 1 and 2, Romans 12, 2 specifically. And I got stiff from sitting there so long and I stood up and I went to the windows and I looked out at the lake and I said to the Lord, I said, how did I do it? How did I do it? I said, because I've done all of this, but I never heard this message before in my life. How did I do it? Because I said, I got revelation on Romans 12, 2 later in life. And the Lord is so kind and so gracious. And he said to me, son, he said, you might've got revelation on Romans 12, 2 later in life, but he said, you got revelation on Joshua 1, 8 very early. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it, on it, day and night. Meditate on it. And the word meditate in the Hebrew could be, in fact, in other places in in, uh, the Old Testament is translated mutter, to mutter, to say something over and over and over. And actually, in secular literature, it's the same word for a cow chewing the cud. Yeah, and I don't want to be gross, but you know a cow's got, I think, nine stomachs. And uh, it chews grass, and then it regurgitates and chews the grass. So to mutter, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. And I know, you know, people think that I'm a, maybe too detail-oriented in the details of Christianity, but he said, be careful. He said, so you can be careful. You go over to Hebrews 11, is it verse 6? Without faith it is impossible, or verse 9. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He doesn't reward people who haphazardly seek him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that you may be careful to do everything written therein, so that you may be careful to do. So there it is, how to train the human spirit, but it's not in any way described in those words. Actually, it was God's success formula for Joshua, but it's not God's success formula for Joshua because it was recorded in the Bible. God knew we'd be reading it, so it's just God's success formula. Do not Let this book of the law, do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. Meditate 
on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. One translation says you'll, you'll be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life. How many of, you, how many of you, you like to have that? The ability to deal wisely in the affairs of life. See, in other words, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. And we do that by training the human spirit. Because God, you understand, when we got saved, our bodies didn't get saved. You know, I, I don't know how it all works in heaven. The Bible says very little about heaven. You know, like if I go to the Italian section of the marriage supper of the Lamb, will I gain weight? See, uh, I, I don't know how it works in heaven. But I know this, I'll have a resurrected body there. You see what I'm saying? See, here I don't have a resurrected body. So it can get tired. If I don't eat, it gets hungry. If I don't drink water, it gets thirsty. You see what I'm saying? My body didn't get saved. Then my soul, say it out loud. I am a spirit. I, am a spirit. I, have, a soul, I have a soul. And I live in a body. So we're not our bodies. But you know what else? We're also not our souls. What is the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. And that's why you can remember the stuff you did back before you were saved. Because your soul wasn't born again. Will. Oh. See, if our soul got born again, we would all be praying. We'd be, oh, wait, man, we'd be... Mind, will. In other words, if our will was part of what got saved, none of us here would have any trouble with self-discipline. But it didn't. Mind, will, emotions. Our emotions didn't get saved. That's why we got to do something with our emotions. What got saved? Our spirit man. And so we all had that before we were born again. The world calls it intuition. The world calls it intuition. Even an unregenerate spirit, a, a dead spirit inside of a human body, to some extent, gives that human being some insight. But when we're born again, that spirit is, is made alive from being dead. It's made alive. Why, why, why do we say it was dead? Well, because God said to Adam and Eve, in the day that thou shalt eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And yet they didn't keel over dead when they ate of the forbidden fruit. So what died? That spirit man inside them. And then see that, that spirit man inside them that died has become the seed of Adam. And that's why if you don't discipline your children in a godly way, that's why if you don't command them, Genesis 18, 19, they'll go the way of the world. Amen. Because they have the seed of Adam in them. Everything has the seed of Adam in it. I don't know how much you've read about Henry Ford, but you would be hard-pressed to find a more conservative American in the 40s or in that time frame than Henry Ford. But the Ford Foundation is a, a, a great engine for evil in modern times. Why? Because everything's got the seed of Adam in it. I mean, think about, there was not a more evangelical preacher of the gospel than John Wesley. But what's happened to the church he created? See, everything has the seed of Adam in it. And that's why 
over time, it all goes off the rails because it's got the seed of Adam in it. Do you understand this? We got a good crowd here tonight. I don't know what you all came for, but <laughs> I want you to hear this. God does not anoint institutions. And God does not even anoint churches. Everything's got the seed of Adam in it. God does not anoint institutions and God does not anoint churches. God anoints men. You could take a, a, a dead church and you put an anointed man in there, number one, the crowd's going to swap out, but th there'll be signs following. But you take an on-fire church and you bring in the wrong guy, that sucker's going to be as dead as Julius Caesar. Because God doesn't anoint institutions and God doesn't anoint churches. He anoints men. When I say men, as in Genesis, male and female, he created them. Do you understand? I don't think... I hardly came across anybody more anointed than my home pastor. And uh, it was a woman. She pioneered a Sunday school class. You understand in the Depression days, there were a lot of empty buildings. She pioneered a Sunday school class. She was a Roman Catholic woman who had gotten saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in 1935, in Depression days, she rented a storefront for next to nothing and started a Sunday school class for children in the neighborhood. And the first Sunday, I, I met a man later who was there that Sunday, Ernie Esclin, owned a weightlifting gym club in Detroit, and he played the trombone, and he was there that Sunday, and he played for her a special song, the first Sunday, and he said there were four or five families, not children, families that walked the aisle and gave their hearts to Christ. Well, I mean, she had a church. But you let time go by, and then you let another family member ascend. And uh, we went there for the 75th anniversary, and it was very nice. It was very nice. It was very nice. It was very nice. But it was no more anointed than going to the mall. God anoints men. He doesn't anoint churches. He doesn't anoint institutions. Now, the good news is, You can take what I just said the last three minutes and you can change your home. You can change your family. You can, you can change the atmosphere. You can change the environment of your home. Amen. You don't have to let the devil set the environment in your home. We, were, we, were, we didn't know anything. We were, I think, 1978, we would have been 22 years old. And we were invited to this Christmas party, this church, this family that was attending the church where we were, we were working. And, uh, you know, they called us aside and we, we want you to pray for our teenagers. And we don't know what to do with them and they're running wild and whatever. I mean, we were 22 years old. We were barely not teenagers ourselves. And so this lady was very proud of their house and gave us a tour of the house. Well, I mean, I, I it didn't take... Uh, a genius to figure out what the problem was. I went in. The, I went in the rooms of those teenagers, and I told Sue. I said, "You know, look at these walls." And 
posters of rock bands that wouldn't mean anything to you tonight, but I mean, I'm talking about some weirdo you-know-what. <laughs> so you have the ability to set the atmosphere in your home. And the very fact, you know, there's kiss posters or whatever tells you, well, they're not praying. I mean, you're, you're not going to... <laughs> You're not going to have uh, Knights and Satan service posters in the house where you're praying over your meals. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I mean, don't raise your hand. How many of you have a Ouija board in your house? Man, you got no business with a Ouija board in your house. How many, don't raise your hand. How many of you read the horoscope every day? You got no business reading the horoscope. A, a, a born again child of God has no business with a Ouija board in their house or reading a horoscope or, or having tarot cards in their house or none of it. Amen. So we have been given this power. The more we have trained our recreated human spirit man, the closer we will be in tune with God. The more we have trained our recreated spirit man, the more clearly we will be able to see as Father God sees and pray as the Holy Spirit would have us pray. And too many believers are dull. They're dull. I'll bet every lady here has got a dull knife, you know? And, uh, you know, we've got a sharpener at home, but somehow when I sharpen them, they're not like they were when we bought it, you know? And you're trying to cut something and it's dull. A, A dull knife is almost like salt that's lost its saltiness. What good is it? And too many believers are dull of understanding, dull of the incessant evil poundings of this world, and dull to how God would have us pray or what object, our objectives should be in prayer. Let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 5.11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. A solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. Train themselves. Everybody say it aloud. Train themselves. Train say it again. Train themselves. Train themselves. Oh, but oh my gosh, the next phrase. Oh my gosh. Train themselves to distinguish good from evil. I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed at the decisions people make. I'm just amazed. But I understand. I understand. See, people... People think they want spiritual gifts. You don't want any spiritual gifts. Because with a spiritual gift comes a burden and responsibility. You know, all of a sudden, I just know things. I remember once I I texted Austin and said what somebody was saying about me in their bedchamber. I just know things. And so part of that gifting is you tell me the decision and I see it, how it's going to play out in 5, 10, 15 years. I see it and I just have to force myself to keep my mouth shut because people make all these decisions and I'm, you know, privately in my own mind, I'm thinking, you know, what are you doing? Because they don't see it. If they saw the disaster that was coming, I I would like to think they wouldn't make that decision. 
but they just can't see it. But part of that, my friends, is not the gift I carry. Part of that is training the human spirit because the more you train your human spirit, the more in tune with Father God you're going to be and you're going to see things. You're just going to have a knowing. You may not even know why you know some things. Doesn't matter, you know it. Because you're in tune with God. And it's all based, somebody might say, well, why is training the recreated human spirit based in, entirely, nearly entirely on confessing and doing the word of God? Because this is faith. You go to Hebrews 11, it says Moses did this and Noah did that and Abraham did this. It's a chapter on faith, but when you read it, it's all about what they did. And every one of them was in response to God telling them to do something. And we're Americans, you know. Our heritage is the Tea Party and rebellion against King George. You know, we don't want anybody telling us anything. But the problem is we limit ourselves in life. We limit our potential in life. Because when the Lord comes along and he tells me anything, it's for my own good. Let me give you a positive example and a negative example, and then I'm going to go, to go a different direction. Positive example, you've heard it a million times. Forget about a thousand times. I think you've heard it a million times when the Lord said, save something every seven days. So I took action on that. But in that same time frame, in that same time frame, I went to the Lord uh, about a, a minister who was obese, and I went to the Lord and I said, I said, Lord, how can he have such anointing and weigh what he weighs. And the Lord was so kind and so gracious. And he said, son, because it doesn't bother him. He, he doesn't care if he's fat. But he said, it bothers you. So he said, it affects you. And then he told me, now watch it now. I'm going to tell a tale on myself. He said, son, just eat whatever you want to eat, but eat half. Well, I haven't taken action on that at all. <laughs> see he gave me the answer you know you want a piece of cake have a piece but eat half in other words you want so in other words you want six slices of pepperoni pizza have three see he gave me the but you know oh man I'm not doing that and you're all laughing you're all laughing but you've all done the exact same thing Tell your neighbor, laugh it up. Laugh. Tell the neighbor on the other side, laugh it, up. laugh it up. But we've all done it. He gives us an answer. See, I'm standing here tonight. I'm so happy. I don't have a pain in my body, even though I walk about 2,000 miles a year. I've, I've outlived every male on my father's side for three generations. But you know what? In that same time frame, in fact, it was 88. We moved into the first building, 88. And he told me, he said, you did it. You pioneered the church. You got it built. You bought the land. You got it built. You're, you're getting ready to move into it. He said, now, he said, for the rest of your life, I want you to walk four miles a day. I took action on it. And that's why I'm here tonight. Not in the box. See, so he, when the Lord comes along and he tells you to do something, it's not for his good. 
How many of you understand the Lord doesn't need exercise? <laughs> How many of you understand the Lord doesn't need your money? How many of you understand it doesn't, I mean, he loves you and it would hurt his heart, but how many of you understand it doesn't matter to the Lord whether you drink or not or do drugs or not or whatever. So anytime he speaks to us, it's not for his good. It's for our good. He's daddy. And a daddy, a daddy's going to correct you. You know, a daddy's going to say, you know, do you really need to eat all of that? Now, we have time to pray. In the same way, we have money to tithe, we have time to pray. And, you know, Austin is so great at this. People come to him and they say, I don't have enough to tithe. And I've heard him use these illustrations. Well, everybody who says they don't have enough to tithe, have they got a smartphone? What does that cost? What does that cost a month? Have they got cable TV? What does that cost? What does that cost a month? Uh, how, how about this? Oh, 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 my gosh. How about an iTunes account? How much does that cost? And how about Amazon Prime? Oh, my goodness. You know, you know, Amazon's got all of our money. I mean, in other words, we have the money. But in the same way we have the money to tithe, we have the money to pray. I mean, we have the time to pray. And man, oh, man, oh, man, we don't want to have to stand before the Lord and say, you know, if the Lord says, well, how come you never prayed? Well, I didn't have time to pray. And then maybe he rolled out a chart on how much time we spent, you know, uh, playing uh, solitaire or how much time we spent playing video games or how much time we spent watching TV. The great thing Larry Lee told me about prayer is it alleviates guilt. You get up in the morning. Now, Dad Hagen used to pray at night. No point in me praying at night. He used to pray at night in bed. And actually, Sue put me on to this thing now, you know, because, uh, you know, sometimes I'd wake up and then I have trouble going back to sleep. So she put me on to this. Just do what Dad Hagen did, pray. And sure enough, man, it puts me right out. And I mean, I'm gone. So no point in me. I mean, in other words, I can pray at night. It's a nice thing to do, but I mean, I'm gone. No point in me planning on that being my prayer time. So I get up in the morning, I pray. But then the rest of the day, there's no guilt, see, because I, because I did that first. I put that first. And the nice thing about putting, putting prayer first, however much time you decide to pray, when you put it first, you just set the clock that much earlier and you get up and it doesn't really cost you any time out of your day. Fred Price used to pray at night. There's no point in me praying at night. But, I, uh, but whatever works for us, that's the main thing. So we waste so much time in useless talk or careless reading or television watching. So while the Spirit of God is searching for an outlet, He has to pass us by because we're not ready to pray. See, He wants to... I might be understanding... God's, God's, God's looking for people to pray about this mess going on right now. I mean, you know, my goodness. What a mess. Oh, my gosh. But it was a mess before this. I mean, it's a mess on top of a mess on top of a... It's like in Oklahoma where the signs say you don't drive into smoke. Well, that's what this is. This is like a 50-car pile-up of mess. <laughs> but God, there are people, and they're bound, they're bound, they're bound, they're bound. We read the most precious testimony Sunday afternoon. Beautiful, beautiful people. 
beautiful, beautiful people. But you read this testimony and, and you know, drugs and alcohol and fighting and, and you can't even believe it because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus did. Beautiful people. You, you can't even picture it. You can't even picture it, being drunk and stoned and fighting. And you can't even picture it because of what Jesus did. See, God wants to do that for everybody that's bound and, and messed up and their marriages on the rocks. God, God doesn't want to do that for a few. God wants to do that for everybody. He wants to do that for everybody. But how's it, how's it going to happen if we just let Satan run rampant and we don't ever pray for anybody else? So set aside the time to pray every day and choose to make it a new habit in your life. And don't just pray. This is what I was trying to get to. I'm going to have to, to, have to say this quickly and then maybe pick up here next week. Don't just pray. If you're praying and not getting regular, consistent answers to your prayers, if you are praying and you are not seeing miracles in your life on a regular basis, then change the way you're praying. Now, my life... When we got married, I was praying 15 minutes a day. And the way I have prayed has dramatically evolved over time. So on August 26, I stood here and taught the way that I am currently praying. And I applied it to a prayer about money, how to pray about money. But that was just an example. You could use that exact same process to pray about anything. Okay. I'm going to say this and quit here and pick up here next week. Luke 18, 1. Jesus said men should always pray and not give up. Now, here's the way we've read that. Well, just keep on, keep on keeping on. Well, have you ever had a diet and it, it just didn't make any progress? Have you ever had a, an exercise program and it just didn't do anything? Well, Albert Einstein said that one definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. And I don't mean to be unkind or impolite, but to me the best example of this is Hale and Mary and rubbing beads. I mean, how many people spend their whole lifetime Hale and Mary and they never get an answer? Or they spend their whole lifetime rubbing beads and they never give an, get an answer. But Pentecostals do that. Man, they spend a lifetime swinging from the chandeliers. They spend a lifetime, you know, they spend a lifetime pulling their shoes off and dancing in church. They spend a lifetime uh, running around the church with flags. And they're always the poorest people. They're always the poorest people. Now, you you tell me if, you tell me if, you know of a, an example that's not this way. You show me a church where they're, they have flags and they pull their shoes off and they, they, and why can't people dance at their seat? They have to come up front, you know, look at me and all of this. And it's, it's always a church falling down. It, the grass isn't mowed, the shrubs are dead, paint's peeling. Am I right? I mean, it's an embarrassment. All right, so men should always pray and not give up. I want to give you a three-minute alternate concept. So when we started, when you understand, when we moved in here, we had $4 million cash in, invested. 
but we still borrowed, with all the land in the building, we still borrowed $12.1 million. By the time we got to the end of 2017, we had that 56% paid down, and we owed $5.2 million. And the Lord spoke to me in January of 2018, son, I want you to quit fooling around, and I want you to get everything paid off. And I didn't think I was fooling around. I thought I was doing a good job. I mean, I had it 56% paid off. But that wasn't his perspective. And the Lord will offend you. Tell your neighbor, the Lord will offend you. You know, he, that wasn't his perspective. His perspective was, I was fooling around. He said, son, I want you to stop fooling around. I want you to get this paid off. And so then he gave me a strategy. This is the, these are all advantages of praying. He gave me a strategy. See, he didn't give me a strategy while I was watching reruns. He gave me a strategy while I was praying. And a lot of times he doesn't speak to me. A lot of times I see it. And when I say I see it, it's not a vision. It's just a mental picture. And the strategy he gave me was to lead the way. I'm the leader. I'm not the follower. To lead the way and give Fred and Betty Price a personal gift of $10,000. Believe God for a hundredfold return. That's a million dollars. And so a million dollars back into the challenge offerings and to, to give a million toward the 5.27. And if you go back and you watch the Palm Sunday message 2018, if you go back and you watch the Easter message 2018, I was very hopeful. Now, I didn't prophesy I'd be paid off in 2018, but I was very hopeful. But you know what? At the end of 2018, we owed $3.6 million dollars. And if, you're, if you'll hear me in these two minutes, you'll understand me, and it'll make you rich. Now, if you're going to heaven tomorrow, there's not enough time, but I'm saying if you have any time, <laughs> if you have some time left, it'll make you rich. This right here, the next two minutes, this will make you rich. So at the end of 2018, we still owe $3.6 million dollars. Did, did you see me get discouraged? Did you see me back up? Did you see me back off? Did my language change? Did my confession change? See, Fred Price used to say it this way. Just keep on keeping on. My generation we used to say, you know, just keep on trucking. In other words, you pick your path and you stay on it. Okay. And it's like anything else in life. Saving money, losing weight, it's like anything else in life. It just doesn't happen as fast as we want. It just doesn't happen. We want it to happen by Friday. But it doesn't work that way. Then we get to the end of 2019, and we went from $3.6 million at the end of 2018 to $2.1 million at the end of 2019, last year. All right. Did did you notice any difference in my demeanor? Did you notice any difference in my speech? Did I back up? Did I back off? Did my speech change? I just stayed right with it. Just stayed right with it. Just stayed right with it. See, instead of doing all these studies in public schools about transgender gender fluidity and all that stuff, maybe they would be better off reading stuff like the tortoise and the hare. See, you know, the the rabbit, man, he fast. 
but he's a zigging and a zagging and going left and right. And the tortoise, man, he may be slow, but he, man, he just keeps he just keeps on keeping on. And so then we get to uh, Wednesday night. What is this? November 4, 2020. <laughs> I give you all the credit, the glory, and the honor, my, my, my loving, gracious, wonderful, beautiful, heavenly Father. I give you all the credit, the glory, and the honor for every work done. So tonight we owe $34,000. But see, when Jesus said men should always pray and not give up, was he talking about rubbing beads? Was he talking about Hail and Mary? Was he talking about praying the same way you have always prayed that never one time got you an answer or a miracle? But that's what we've done. And what this gal did that wrote this testimony Sunday, she took what I taught on August 26th, and you understand, that's not the perfect way to pray. Because a year from now, if the Lord tarries, I'll be praying different. I'll be tweaking it, changing it, and occasionally the Lord comes by and he gives me another verse to recite out of the Bible. But what she did is, she just took it, made it her own, applied it to her situation and got a taxing authority to relent. This is a big deal. And you know, it doesn't matter whether those people are working or not, they want their money. They have co-vetted upon co-vetted in 2020. You try, you try and go in person and get your license plates renewed. Those people are nowhere to be found, but they want their money. That, that'd be like, that'd be like, what's that place we eat at in Fort Worth, downtown? Del Frisco's? That'd be like Del Frisco's charging my card. And I, I'm, I, I say, I haven't been there. Well, we're charging your card anyway, because we got to make our payroll. We got to do this. We got to do that. That's the way the government does us. It doesn't matter whether they're at work or not. How about, how about your property taxes in public schools? See, it doesn't matter whether they're at work or not. They want their money. But this sister took what I did August 26th and she adjusted. She changed. She applied that to her situation and she got it may not qualify as a miracle. Well, it would because Oral Roberts defined a miracle as anything outside normal human experience. And going up those people by yourself, not hiring a consultant, go down there by yourself and, and face those people and get them to roll over and do what you want. I think that may be outside natural human experience. Amen. So Jesus said, men should always pray and not give up. And I submit to you, he did not mean that we should just keep praying the way we've been praying and not getting answers and not getting results, I submit to you, we should turn that verse over 
And when he said men should always pray and not give up, what he meant was we should not give up on finding the way to pray that'll get us answers and get us miracles. Because, well, that's just terrible. I would really not like to admit that. That is awful. See, the same God that comes, but I'm going to say it, the same God that comes along to me in January of 2018 and says, son, I want you to quit fooling around and get this place paid off. What I, the action I took, I could have taken in January of 2017. Free will, baby. Free will. I could have taken that action in January of 2016. How much blessing are we leaving on the table? Can you see what I'm saying? How much blessing are we leaving on the table? Because there's no prohibition that I know of anywhere in the Bible uh, where, it, you know, where, where God says, now don't pray too much. You could, you could hurt yourself. Uh, you know, uh, don't, don't, you know don't, don't believe God for too much because, you know, you could hurt yourself. No. No, you are free to believe and to stretch and to pray and receive. And I submit to you, time is short. We got nothing to lose here. We may as well see what God will do. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.